<sighs> okay, here we go. Abby Carver is the founder and instructor at Yoga 15. She is a two-time 200-hour Yoga Alliance certified yoga teacher and a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer. So it's suffice to say that she knows a thing or two about how the body works. She is also on a mission to bring yoga to men and women passionate about their sports, who recognize that yoga is a highly effective performance and recovery tool, but they don't know where to start. My name is Coach Brock Armstrong. It's time to get your second wind. But before we get started... As you've probably noticed, this podcast is no longer in production, but there are so many people who are still listening to each episode and reaching out to me for advice and help and support that I've decided to keep the dream and this podcast alive, which means I'm paying a few maintenance fees out of my pocket. And I don't mean to make this sound like a woe is me kind of affair, because it is indeed a pleasure to have created something that is being appreciated. But... If you felt so inclined, you could go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee to, yes, as it sounds, buy me a virtual coffee. And since coffee is easily my biggest vice, I'm what you would call a coffee snob, if you buy me a coffee, I can pay my hosting fees with all the coffee money that I save. So win-win situation here. So go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee and help keep this podcast and my fancy coffee habit alive. That's brockarmstrong.com slash coffee. So you have taken a whole lot of different sports and you started with cycling, right? Cycling was your, was your main focus? Mountain for biking. Mountain biking, really specific. Can I zoom out a little bit? Because yes. we've got a few layers here. We've, we've even got, first of all, yoga for athletes as a whole. That, mm. that in itself is very different. As opposed to yoga for yogis. Yes. Yoga yes. for athletes. Okay, explain what that is. Well, how I see it is that the yoga that I design is for people who don't really like yoga. <laughs> Even though I'll, I'm putting my hand up here, <laughs> but nine times out of ten, people do learn to love it. It's just that the type of yoga class they've been to has made them feel uncomfortable, or it, it was it was ineffective in some way. Most of the time, my students do come around, but it's for people who aren't doing yoga for the sake of yoga, but for the sake of what yoga can do in the rest of their lives. And right. if you are an athletic person. So many of the benefits that you're going to experience will be in your sports. I mean, you'll feel them in other areas, but really in your sports, you're going to feel it the most. So what we can do there is we can take this wonderful, yoga is like saying sport. It covers so yeah. many different aspects. And not only is it physical, it's mental, it's spiritual. It can be religious for some people, mm -hmm. obviously. So what, I, what I've tried to do is... Come at this from first principles. What does an athlete do you need? How can I, how can I give you just what you need uh, in a way that, will, that you'll do it? You know, what do I need to take out of this in order for it to be accessible for you? Yeah. And so that is, that is really my philosophy behind this. We've stripped it back to what is the specific benefits for athletes. And it's a gateway drug. If you start to enjoy it, then you may start to explore and to build it out. It could end up being a spiritual practice for you. Who knows? Sure. 
but yeah, that's the starting point for me to break it right down. And then I don't know if you were going to ask me a question then. No, I was just agreeing emphatically. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And so then we've got, so we've got, so how do we do that? We, for me, that makes, means it's a non-spiritual discipline. It means that it's in 15 minute increments so that time doesn't become uh, a barrier to entry. We've got different levels in there. I don't use Sanskrit terms. I use English terms. So it'll be, uh, let's work on opening up the hips today, or let's improve shoulder mobility or core strength. So these are the ways that I do it. But you're absolutely right. Then you go down another level and you break it down by sport because the position that your body is in as a surfer Mm. is going to be incredibly different to the position you're in as a boxer. And so each of these sports sets up a, a pattern in your body And what yoga is amazing at doing is counterbalancing what you've got there. So say we're rounding the shoulders, we can open up. So there's this aspect of correcting the imbalances, but there's also skill acquisition. We learn coordination and balance and agility. So there's also, it not only supports you from a recovery point of view, but it can actually work on the, the performance as well. Yeah. And it's sort of a, I guess a a case in point is the last time we were in the same place at the same time and actually got to to work together in person, I was about to go on a big cycling trip through through Scandinavia and, and parts of Europe. And you gave me a a number of poses to to go through at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Again, only 15 minutes for people out there who think, well, I, I don't have time for yoga. You you do. You absolutely do. It doesn't have to be 45 minutes or 60 or 90 minutes. Um, but you gave me these poses that like, okay, for cycling in particular, hip flexors get pretty compressed because you're in that forward, especially on a road bike, you're in that forward pitched position. Your your hips are very much at a 90 or, or less degree angle for a lot of the day if you're cycling all day. So you gave me some some poses, like you said, that counter counterbalanced, I guess, or... or That's the phrase I would use, yeah. Or counterposes, but yeah. Yeah, to... to then let my body sort of elongate those muscles that had been in tendons and ligaments and everything that had been shortened all day to allow my body to get back into a, a position that was more um, in line with the rest of my life. So in some ways, it's enhancing the sport, but in other ways, it's undoing the damage of the sport. Is that is that something you take into consideration 100%. as well? Or? <laughs> yes, of course. Unfortunately, um, as fantastic as exercise is for us if we're not paying attention to what what that's doing to our bodies then we're going to end up and we've all done this we're going to end up in pain really quite really quite fast well I suppose it depends on your age maybe in your 30s in your 20s maybe you get away with it but I find from around 35 and up you stop getting away with it quite so much and for for instance as you mentioned my first sport that I was helping a friend with was mountain biking. And what is so prominent in mountain biking is lower back pain, which often comes from weak core, tight hamstrings, tight hips. And what I found interesting is cycling, you don't hear quite so much the lower back pain. You can, but there you've got this this pain in between the shoulder blades. So even two sports that seem incredibly similar, the patterns, the trends, for the, the athletes that we see, we are all special snowflakes, but there are also definite <laughs> trends between each one. You know, surfers are going to have neck and shoulder issues. And this is so exciting to me because what I love to do is to see 
So, for instance, I have a friend, you know him, Charlie, who we met yeah, when we were in Worcester He's a together. hell of a mountain biker. He's a hell of a mountain biker, yes. And he's only getting better mountain. with age. Yes. <laughs> yeah. with, his, with his, the yoga that he practices, he literally just gets better and better and better. So, and he does the yoga like right there on the trail too, which is something I hadn't heard of before. He'll get to the top of a, a, a trail and before he goes down, get off the bike and do some yoga right there on the ground. With my instructions, yes. yes. But actually, yes, and he's, he's putting together a series actually at the moment. He's going to be filming some on the trail um, yoga poses and stretches for exactly that purpose. Because actually, if you're in the saddle for a few hours in the day, you're going to need to do some stretching within that time as well as before yeah. and after to stay supple and stop your body from seizing up i have a couple um, photos of me on those little ferries in holland that to cross mm -hmm. some of the the canals and stuff you would get the bike onto the onto the ferry and then you didn't have anything to do for it wasn't very long but i'd get off the bike and start doing some of the stretches you you gave me because i'm like okay this is i've got a few minutes and i'm feeling really cramped up and it's amazing what difference it makes if you just inject that into the middle of of a day or like just different points in the day when you have a chance. It's really, really helpful. And did people point and stare? No. Or were they? <laughs> they well, if they did, I didn't notice, but that's the that's the benefit of being a middle-aged white male. You get away with it. <laughs> we, I, well, we don't care. <laughs> yes, I, I do things, strange things in airports. And um, but yeah, travel is another one of those times you need to break up. Oh, yeah. So yeah, what I was thinking about with Charlie is I went with him he wanted, he, he got into motocross and so oh. we went to California and we were going, what I say is going around in circles, but he was, he was going to the, these amazing tracks. <laughs> All the bike. motocross people out there were like, damn you, Abby. <laughs> Enduro makes a little more sense to me, but this is just going around in circles very fast. I mean, it looks fun, but what I was doing was filming him, looking at his body posture and the pros are, uh, are practicing there too. You've got the world's best and then you've got everyone who's just trying it yeah. out. So what I was able to do is film the pros, film Charlie, and then I can match these two and I can say, you know, this is what is going on. So I don't know what it is, but I'm so interested in looking at bodies and seeing what uh, the sports that they do, the activities that they do, what kind of patterns they are building in their body. Mm. So I'm boxing at, at the moment and it's my new thing. And I have a boxing trainer who comes three times a week and he is, wow. he's a fantastic athlete, but he has this round, this kyphosis, in his back mm. and it's because you know you're always in this position and what i you know just immediately want to do when i see him is get him to relax his traps get him to open up and these are all the sorts of things that yoga just has an answer for it just has the pose that you need it i mean all stretching you'll be like well yes that comes from a yoga pose the, mm. the yogis covered every single body shape that you can make within a, a mat size shape yeah. So ev everything that we need to counterbalance, as you said earlier, those positions we can find in yoga. It's just, it's just about applying the right one to the right person at the right time. Okay. So let's, let's do that and get really specific. So you just started running mm -hmm. you, or running seriously anyway. So what specific poses have you introduced or are you focusing on now in order to, to aid your, your running pursuit? What can people look at to do at home okay. if they're doing the same thing? For me, it's going to be hamstrings primarily and hips. If those were the only two things that I had to take care of, I would take care of those first. And there is a wonderful stretch in yoga, which is called reclining hand to big toe, but it has three positions. So if you picture lying on your back with one leg up and you've got a strap and you're pulling your leg in towards you to stretch the, your hamstrings, okay, 
Fantastic. What's great about this position is unlike, do you remember that hurdle stretch everyone used to do? Yes, lean yeah. forward. It's, it's so, put so much pressure on your lower back. And if you are a, a cyclist and you're already in that position a lot, that's the last way that you want to be practicing. To you mean the one like when you're down on the ground and one leg is behind you, the other leg is in, in front? That yeah, one? or you could have the, you could have one leg straight and the other leg bent at a sort of triangle and then you lean forward. So you're okay, so not necessarily behind you. But, no, head to okay. knee pose. Ah, yes. Gotcha. If you were actually hurdling, it would be. But they call it head to knee. I'm not sure what else it's called. But this forward bending just puts a ton of pressure through the, the your lower back. Hmm. So what is nice about doing a hamstring stretch on your back is you take out that 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 posterior pelvic tilt that you need to get that forward bend. So you're taking your lower back out of the picture. You, you actually may not get your leg up to 90 degrees. The most important thing is that it's straight and then you just lift it up with a strap. It's a lot more effective, but you could just grab the back of your thigh. Yeah, I use a belt when I'm doing that that stretch. I yes. actually use my a, a dress belt that I used to have mm. when I wore suits to work and I don't use anymore. So now that belt lives in my gym instead of in the closet because I never use it. So yeah, that you don't need anything fancy. I just use a literally a old belt. Yes, or you can use a dressing gown cord or even a towel. It's, it's, yeah, that one you've got no excuses not to do. But what's great about yoga, because it's such a wonderfully holistic discipline, is they, they, they teach three different stretches that you get from this. So you have your leg up, that's called reclining hand to big toe A. And then if you bring your leg across your body and you have it again, you know, as high up as you can get it, you're getting that stretch on the outside of your hip. And then you can bring your leg open to the other side and then you're stretching your calves and hamstrings and you're stretching your groin. So with just this one pose, if I could only do, you know, five minutes of stretching after I did a run, I would do those three poses. I would do, I would hold each for 10 breaths. So I would do the position A, position B, position C, and I would have 80% of my bases covered with that. I think I would probably do the pose I call dead pigeon, which is figure four to stretch the glutes as well. But that's the thing. We just need to know what the, what the precise stretch is that we need to do at that time. And then it's lovely to do longer sessions um, outside of that time. Do your full 15 minutes in the evening or in the morning if you like to do that. But what's really important is that you're, you're targeting the muscles that you just worked as soon as, as soon after you can as you as you've done the exercise and why is that important to to do soon after i guess it depends mostly about what you're then going to do so say you do leg day and you've you know really really worked your hip flexors and your glutes and then you go and sit in a car yeah. then without stretching out then air, you know all that all that all that tension is not going anywhere it's just going to get tighter and tighter so i suppose if you just walking after your your exercise session then that's absolutely fine you could walk for an hour or two hours and then you could stretch but it's more because of what we do uh because our lives are so busy immediately after that we have to be careful to look after ourselves i'm a big fan of not skipping cool downs and it's for exactly that same reason then using stretching as part of your cool down is sort of that double whammy you're getting the elongating the counterbalancing of the the muscles and you're taking that time to let your body go from the intense work to less in or non-intense work of usually 
we're heading off to work and we're sitting in a chair, or we're getting in a car or, or something like that. So yeah, it, it marries itself really well to the idea of giving your body that transition time from mm-hmm. doing a heavy activity to, to whatever you're doing next. Mm-hmm. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, you, you don't want to be shifting straight from, you know, sympathetic to parasympathetic to just like you need, you need to, to, to soften gently into different activities. I think there's probably a lot of stress involved in going from one thing to the next without allowing your body to metabolize the, the activities that you've just done in some way. Is that the reason why most yoga classes end with Shavasana, the, the corpse, corpse pose? 100%. And I'm sure I've told you this before, but when I started practicing yoga back in, I think, 2009, I left every class before Shavasana. Yeah. I, I was like, I will cool down in the changing rooms. This is not for me. I'm a busy person. <laughs> and I just skipped it. I would very quietly roll up my mat and without disturbing anyone, I'd leave the class. I was just too amped up all the time. Yeah. And now I understand in the, the wisdom of the yogis, they, they, of course, they totally know what you're doing. You're, you're just allowing the benefits of the, the exercise that you've just done to be assimilated into your body. And you just have, you know, even if you can just spend a minute just lying there, just not being anywhere else. There's this phrase I really like that your mind and body are together rather than being in a separate place. So if you're, if you're thinking, your mind and your body are separate. But if you're feeling, if you're feeling how, you know, feeling your breath or you're feeling a sensation in your body, then your, your mind and your body are together. And if you can even manage to do that for a minute or so, it's pretty good for your health. Your story of leaving before Shavasana or during Shavasana made me think of the old story of the person who came to the the guru and said, how long do I need to meditate in order to achieve enlightenment? And the guru said, oh, 20 minutes. And they said, oh, 20 minutes. I can't. I, I don't have time for that. And it's okay. Two hours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You need two hours. The, the exactly more you that. think that you can't take that time to actually cool down is evidence that you probably need to do it even more than other people do. And you know what? That's a great, um, I want to use the word corollary for, but I don't know if I'm using the right word. It's, it's the same thing um, with yoga. People who say they don't like yoga it's probably because they, you know, one reason could be because they are the sort of people who needs you know, impact out of everything. And, and you're yeah. the people that I want to bring it to. You know, I don't need, I don't need people who are wonderfully zened out and blessed to be doing yoga. They're already in this perfect state. It is you who doesn't like it because for the same reasons I didn't like it, because I was far too much on the amped up side of the spectrum than I was able to chill out. And so I needed to have that balance. So of course, sometimes we have to do things that are incredibly uncomfortable. And it's funny, sometimes my job is is sort of gentle, um, gentle pushing in the right, that's Winnie the Pooh phrase, gentle nudging in the right direction. If you, if you're reluctant because you just don't think there's, there's enough impact in the, in the yoga, I may have to talk you around. I may have to to make it as easy as I possibly can. Like for instance, I, I filmed um, some yin. Do you know yin yoga? You must do. I, I am, I'm familiar with it, but give us a, a little high level explanation. Okay, so you have different styles of yoga. Um, many of you will be familiar with a flow style of yoga. One form is called vinyasa, which is the translation is to place in a particular way. So you move with your breath. So you step and you breathe and you step and you breathe. Yin yoga is something very different. It is the most restorative 
one of the most restorative styles of yoga. And you hold each pose for minimum 10 breaths and you can hold poses up to 10, 15 minutes. And this mm. is a... Wow, one pose for 15 minutes, yeah. Yes, I don't know if I... I mean, if you're working towards the splits or something, then you would have to do that, that sure. sort of length of holds. As a dancer, you know this. <laughs> yeah, I do. But, and I really want to hear more about this, but before we get into that, let's go pay our membership fees. Do you like to shop on Amazon.com and enjoy supporting this podcast? You do? Well, have I got a deal for you. If you start your Amazon shopping adventure by going to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon, I will get a small percentage of the money that you spend. And the best part is that you don't pay anything extra. This all comes out of their pockets. Take that, Bezos. So next time you buy anything on Amazon, go to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon and shop while also supporting this podcast. I truly thank you for being a listener and for your support. That's brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon. When I was getting over my plantar fasciitis, I, I spent at least three minutes in in the calf stretch pose just to create some, some length yes. in there. Three minutes, I think, is a great amount of time. I think between one and a half to three minutes is really, really good. And in this form of yoga, you're, you're releasing the deeply held tension. So there's obviously there's different ways to improve your flexibility. You can do so dynamically. So these vinyasa classes do improve your flexibility. You're warming up the body and moving into deeper and deeper and broader ranges of motion. What you do in yin yoga is you stay in just one position and you hold and you hold. And you, you start to release much deeper layers of tension. So, you know, particularly for athletes who've got incredibly tight hamstrings, maybe you do need to spend, you know, three minutes. Or as you said, if you've got actual pain or some sort of dysfunction, you're going to need to spend upwards of one and a half to three minutes. So I designed this series of videos, which I absolutely love, where you're just holding. It may In 15 minutes, you may only do three or four poses. And we support ourselves on blocks and we have straps and just a few basic props. And the, one of the reasons that I did this is because there are people I want to reach who even doing a sun salutation is just too weird. And I completely yeah. understand that. It's a, it's, a strange, it's a strange thing and it's too strange for some people. So where I have to meet people sometimes can be, all right, lie on your back and we're just going to do these poses. I don't, I don't need any exertion from you. And so it was just a way of trying to yeah, trying to lower the bar to entry again in a way that is incredibly effective. Uh, I coached a, a fellow for a while, a, a, no surprise, a New York New Yorker who had terrible sleep patterns, always felt stressed out, was always exhausted and stuff. And so I, I suggested that he do some some yoga and try some some meditation. He's like, I've been doing that for a while. I've been doing it really hard. <laughs> I've been meditating so hard. <laughs> like, yes. okay. Wrong term. <laughs> let's let's try not meditating so hard and try to. Everything doesn't it. have to be full tilt, does it? Yeah, yeah. Some things really can't be full tilt. Mm -hmm. But okay, let's get back to to some really really specific stuff. So we talked about the things that you would do, like that one pose with three sort of variations for for running. Mm -hmm. I know there's probably some a number of cyclists that are listening right now, and I talked about actually that uh, that stretch that you talked about the toe. Reclining hand to big toe. Yeah, that was one of the ones that you gave me for my cycling trip. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what other one would you give to somebody that is doing some, let's say, let's say they're just a commuter, like they're commuting to work on, on their bike and, and home. hundred percent. Okay. Let's do a lower body and an upper body. So hundred percent. We need to stretch the glutes. Best way to do that. I call the, these poses pigeon and dead pigeon, dead pigeon. People may know as figure four. So you're lying on your back, one leg and just. Pulling in towards you. Yeah, so one leg is in crossing the other one at the ankle. Yes. So you're sort Over of making a four yeah. with your legs. That's why Very it's well the figure described. four. <laughs> so this is this, this <laughs> the good news is, is everybody, if you can go to Abby's website, she has a page that has all of these poses and yes. demonstrations of them. So if you don't know what we're talking about, which you probably a lot of people don't, because I'm doing a terrible job of explaining them. <laughs> Go and check out the website. I'll put the, a link in the show notes for sure. So my site is yoga15.com. And if you go to poses, yes, all the there's a hundred or so tutorials for each of these poses. Yeah. So we've got dead pigeon. If you can get into pigeon pose, which not all people can, but that is fantastic for your glutes. So you've got sort of two. This is um, another thing that yoga does very well is there's always a modification for, for you to, to, to reduce the level of difficulty or to, to suit your level of flexibility. So we've got a glute stretch. I definitely would say we'd do dead pigeon. Pigeon if you can do it. But actually, if you, I think pigeon, if you were just coming straight off a ride, I would say that's a little bit deep to go. I would be able to mm. pop down into pigeon, but I'm not going to suggest it to um, an athlete who's been in the saddle for two or three hours and isn't particularly flexible. So let's say dead pigeon. And then we also need to open up the front of the body. So yeah. unfortunately, everything we do is in this most of what we do is with our arms out in front of us. We rarely do things with our arms behind our backs, which means right. that we get this rounding forward position. So we get our chest closes, we round our shoulders forward. And what happens is the muscles that support your shoulder blades are very gently being pulled apart from each other. Mm. And what you can get then is this pain that shoots down in between your shoulder blades into scapular pain, call it. So I would 100% I'm going to recommend that you open up your chest after a ride. And there is a pose, which is a yin pose, which means that we use a prop for it, which I would call supported fish pose. And so what you do there, they have all got silly names. Sounds like it's mounted on a wall. The supported, supported fish. fish. Yeah. The, trophy, <laughs> the trophy catch. The supported refers to the, 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 the blocks that you... You lie back on. Actually, yeah, you could do this two ways. So you could do supported fish pose, which would mean you'd have, um, again, we'll have to, have to go to my site to see this probably, but you'll yes. have a, a low block and a high block and you have them behind you. So you'll lie back with the low block in line with your shoulder blades and just your arms out to the side. Stay like that for one and a half, or ten, let's say 10 breaths. So just lean back like that. You're just going to open up the front of your body. Another thing you could do is puppy pose, which is a prone position. So you're on all fours. You bring your arms out in front of you. You're going to get that spinal extension where you've had it in flexion before. But also, actually, you need twists and side bends, oh, all sorts yeah. of things. Um, so you're going to need maybe three to five. Actually, at the moment, I, I'm designing a new series of specifically post-workout videos. And what I've really, I'm starting to think is... You know, how precise can you be for each different sport? What would, what would be the five poses if you've just done cycling? And how different would that be for the five poses if you've just done, you've been for a hike or you've been rowing or you've been bobsleighing, I don't know, whatever your chosen sport is, curling maybe. Mm. Um, so 
Yeah, this, this is this is. Did you uh, say that for me because I'm Canadian? Was that a which part? Was that the a Canadian curling. thing? The curling? No, the curling thing is because somebody <laughs> wrote to me from a curling team recently and asked me to put together a program for them. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was yeah. probably a Canadian <laughs> or a Scotsman. Yeah, sure. No, I think he was Canadian. This, yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. So, so yes, those those I would say dead pigeon. Let's say um, puppy pose and. If you haven't got any blocks, let's say puppy pose and dead pigeon. If you're a cyclist, it's going to be great. I sometimes just put my foam roller down my spine. And I'll lay on the foam roller and just put my arms out and do like that's almost it. like snow angel kind of move. Perfect. And that just feels so good. Mm. Uh, that sounds really similar to the yin pose that you were you were talking about. The other thing we we have here is it's not only a muscle that is tight that we need to look at. We also need to look at what is weak. So mm. this pulling apart of the muscles between the shoulder blades weakens the, the, the rhomboids, the muscles that support the shoulder blades. So we actually need to strengthen those. So as you know, my, my videos are divided into five skills. So you have strength, balance, mobility, flexibility, and recovery. Because in these imbalances, it's not just a case of being tight. It may be that you need to, to strengthen a certain area. So for that, we'd actually have to do a strength pose that open, like for instance, you could do it's called reverse plank. So you're doing a plank, but with your arms behind you, something like that, yeah. which is actually going to build that strength in your back or even just doing, if you're going to do a row motion at the gym. So if the goal is to correct the muscular imbalances, we're going to need to improve flexibility, strengthen the, the areas that are weak. So the mobility sequences are to put your joints through their full range of motion to keep, because we obviously work on a sort of use it or lose it uh, system. That means that we're going to start to lose access. If you're a boxer, you're going to start to lose access to full shoulder mobility as your body adapts to its requirements. It's really, really good at being in this position, but it means mm -hmm. that many areas of many aspects of that range of motion may be lost. So we need to, to cover all our bases, really. Building strength, let's say you're, you're a dude and you're spending a lot of time working on your, your pecs because we all like to have big pecs. That's that strength can actually cause a, a rounding of the shoulders too, because that strength that's happening or the, the tightness that's coming from those muscles as they're hypertrophying and, and growing can actually pull us into that same type of pose you were talking about with the rounded shoulders. So countering that can just be just an aesthetic thing, but it can also be like a, can cause a lot of pain if we don't address those types of uh, issues. Yeah, the body works in these these pairs, these antagonist and agonist pairs. So, you know, it's the same sort of thing with your with having tight hip flexors and weak glutes. Yeah. There are often these pairs in the body that just because we do we do the same things over and over. And so we get really, really efficient at doing those things. But we will start to I mean your body will tell you, you'll start to experience the pain or or yeah, maybe your posture is gonna start to to look funny as you were just describing there you're going to have this rounded forward even before the pain comes you may just notice mm. that you're not standing tall and strong and with a nice perfect posture i think i just hit better posture as you were saying that i sort of instinctively Straightened stood up. up a little a little straighter now one of the things i wanted to to have you on to just dispel a bit of a, a myth i think there's and and correct me if i'm wrong maybe this is just the people that i've worked with but there seems to be an idea like as yoga has become more and more just ubiquitous, like you can't walk down many streets without seeing yoga studios or the opportunity to do yoga classes in the park or online and stuff. 
it seems like the the wrong message may be getting spread that in order to be a healthy individual, our pursuit should always be to be more and more flexible and that we're never flexible enough. We need to be spending more time doing yoga, more time stretching. Is there a benefit to becoming more flexible than is actually, I guess I'm sort of answering my own question, but I want to hear it from you that we need to be a certain amount of flexibility to say walk. If you can't actually get your leg far enough mm-hmm. behind you or in front of you, then your gait is is thrown off. But does it actually make us better or more happy, more healthy if we have more flexibility beyond that range of motion? Yes, you will instantly be enlightened. The more flexibility. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Darn it's it. the fastest route to enlightenment. That's what's wrong with your me. Flexibility. Damn um, it. Of course, you're right. There is a bit of a halo around this idea of flexibility for the sake of flexibility. I think a word that is really useful in this situation is functional flexibility. You want Mm. to be functionally, flexibly able to do the activities that you want to do easily and, and fast or whatever the other attributes you want to do powerfully or. So I think there is this halo idea around stretching, which is that flexibility, as you say, is like an end in itself that we need to be working towards. And it isn't you can very easily hurt yourself by overstretching. You can tear a muscle, but also you can, if you're, if you're practicing too much stretching and not enough strengthening, you're going to start to pull at the ligaments that don't have the same elasticity as the muscles. And they're not just mm. going to like go straight back. You're just going to put your joints in a very, very vulnerable sit- position if you do that. And I think it, it, historically, some many women have done that and, you know, they, they actually need to be building strength. There's a wonderful Led Hamilton quote, which is something like, all you big weightlifters need to go and uh, go to a yoga class and all you yogis need to go and get in the gym doing your five by fives. It's, it's, you know, we do the thing that we enjoy when actually we should be doing the thing that we need. So the way I see flexibility is I'm not crazily flexible. I mean, I am, I think, functionally flexible. I can't do the splits. I can't do contortions. And that is a very deliberate choice because I want, my aim is for health and longevity. It's not particularly an aesthetic or um, any sort of a flexibility goal. I'm not trying to compete in flexibility. I'm trying to, mm. to, to be healthy for as long as possible. So I think that's, you know, you're, you're not flexible enough if your muscles are impeding the acti- activities that you want to do. That's how you know. That's when we need to increase our flexibility. But if you're starting to feel weak uh, and you're starting to be injured, then you've, you've, yeah, you've definitely come to a pr- place where you may be pushing your flexibility too far. And then you need to, you need to work on joint stability to, to stabilizing the, the small muscles around your joints so that you can build them as a foundation for strength. There's a, a great story about Paula Radcliffe just before she set the women's world record in marathon time, where she actually spent time specifically shortening her hamstrings, like decreasing her flexibility in her hamstrings mm-hmm. to develop more power in her mm-hmm. stride. And sure enough, it worked. She set the mm-hmm. the world's record like in the, the very next race, I believe, after they, they did that or soon after they started focusing on that. So they're actually was an advantage in that particular sport for that particular athlete. Now, not saying that everybody needs shorter hamstrings in order to run faster, but she needed to have shorter hamstrings in order to get more spring in her step, more snap in her gait, 
somehow. Yes. So, so yeah, that's, I think that's a really acute way of, of demonstrating that. Definitely. It's a good demonstration that the fear is that you are prioritizing a short-term benefit over long-term health. And it just depends right. what your goals are. For so, you yeah. know, she had Her goal was to set the world record. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, you do, yes, you do take the power out of a muscle. That's why they, there's quite a lot of evidence to show that holding passive stretches before you do um, uh, very dynamic exercise is likely to put your body at risk. That doesn't mean, actually, that you can't stretch before you, you do exercise, but it just means, again, as we spoke about before, you want a transition period between those two. You're not going to go straight from holding a yin pose to trying to beat the world record. That makes no sense on any level. You need to, to transition much more seamlessly. But yeah, it does. It, I think that's also, yes, that's why they recommend stretching muscles afterwards where you're not asking your body for power. You're asking for realignment to be, to be back into, back into balance. I really like what you said about being able to identify or learning to identify the places where you have a deficiency or maybe developing a deficiency in your flexibility just through regular everyday life. I noticed the other day I was just bending down to get something out of the dryer. We have one of the front load dryers and I was getting down there and I, I noticed I'm like, oh man, my uh, my left hamstring doesn't allow me, like when I went down into the squat, I immediately shifted over to my right and like oh well that's interesting and taking a note of that so i can then start working on that a little bit it's not a a panic in any means but it was an indicator to me that i need to spend a little more time maybe in that uh reclined big toe grabbing pose that i'll never learn the name of what's wrong with, with me what's, with my belt <laughs> yeah and i i do most of my stretching in front of the tv in the in the evening i never sit on the couch i'm always on the floor doing some pose mm -hmm. or another yeah, that's very smart. I think you're you're right. And the problem is, is that we have lost a lot of touch with with the, the sensations our body is giving us, the signals all the time. Sometimes it's just not convenient to listen to that message that you just received because you don't have time to go and rectify it. So we just, we push these things away. We ignore the fact that every time we go on our bike ride, which we absolutely love with our favorite people, it seems to set up a certain type of pain in our back, but we just, we love that thing so much. And right now we need to go and look after the kids or we need to go to work. And so we, we dampen down these signals and the body is very, very good at dampening down signals. If you're in stress for some other reason, it's going to allocate resources to that and, and quieten down those responses. So it really is, I don't know if this is woo, but it really is learning to listen to your body because it, it is trying constantly to let you know what you need to do, but you do just have to give it a chance and, and, and listen a bit closer sometimes. That's actually what a yoga practice can do just in and of itself, just to have that 15 minutes where you, I mean, maybe you do some in front of the TV and that's perfectly fine, but sometimes maybe there's just that time when all you are doing is being on your own and you're just focusing on your your recovery, yourself, the sensations of your own body. And that in itself is, is, is truly can be life-changing for sure. That's a really good point. I should start doing some more stretching where I'm not distracted by a hockey game at the same time that I'm actually just focused in on myself. 50-50. Yeah. And you've made a really good case for the, a lot of us don't know what to actually test for or what kind of poses we should be looking at, which is exactly what drew, drew me to your particular 
style of practice the not only was it a, a nice short amount of time but actually like with those specific poses that were going to benefit the things that I'm trying to do more of we can not only develop the mobility and flexibility and strength and balance and everything that that you focus on to make our performance better but it it can actually help us realize where we have those deficiencies as well so so everybody should go to yoga15.com and where there is a free trial there's a free trial oh, of yeah. two weeks so you can you can try it out for yourself and see what you you feel and i try to take you through that that free trial giving you as much support as possible so that you are choosing the right videos because mm. this is the thing if i'm trying to appeal to people who are a little bit put off by the idea of yoga i'm going to need to to explain a lot more of make the process a lot more understandable for people so i need to to direct you to what it is that you need for your specific situation you, you i'm sure i've spoken to you about this before but the the basic premise is the 80/20 principle where you get 80% of the benefits with 20% of the effort mm. so if you th- th- that's the goal of these videos that maybe it isn't as good as going to a 90 minute class three or four times a week but that is not possible for most of us most and of us yeah most of us so if we could do 20% of the effort and get 80% of the results that's what we're aiming for and as and to your point if you are working on the wrong stretches then that that effort is going to be for naught so we need to know that the time that we're putting in if if yoga isn't your thing and it's not even my thing <laughs> i love it i love it i love it but it is always for, it's a support for me it's to support the other things in my life that i love mm. so I need to know that the time that I'm spending doing yoga, we can't do everything that we want to do. I can do 15 minutes every day, but I can't do much more than that without it impacting relationships, work, life, just everything. So I just need to know that in those 15 minutes, I'm actually doing the thing that I need that's going to give me the biggest bang for the buck. That's definitely the the puzzle I'm always trying to solve with yoga 15. And often that means that you need to do something that is unfamiliar and uncomfortable. and i think that's one of the things that i definitely miss when i'm doing my in front of the tv yoga is i tend to do the ones that really make me feel good and feel happy and i don't do the ones that i'm like oh this is no fun but yes. yeah having that instruction in front of you having somebody who's actually giving you the the movements to do and demonstrating it too that's a big one for me is being able to see what the end goal is because most of the time i can't get into that pose the first second 12th 100th time that I do the pose but knowing what I'm working towards can be really important to keep me motivated to continue to be uncomfortable push through the the I don't want to say pain because we never want to yeah we never want it to hurt but mm-hmm. discomfort is is absolutely part of the goal sometimes isn't it yes um your body craves movement variety in order to stay healthy and well yeah the goal is to put yourself that's what another thing that's wonderful about yoga and you'd get more in a vinyasa or a flow class you your body needs to go into non normal ranges of motion strange positions and be comfortable in those positions because if you it's i, I think this is a phrase from kelly starrett or something it's your right to be able to as a human to be able to move into those positions and if you're not using them you're going to find them incredibly uncomfortable but you should be able to to get into those positions comfortably and the only reason that we don't is because we speci- you know we've got busy lives we we specialize in specific sports and our bodies become so good at those sports that we shut off all the other ranges of motion mm-hmm. so that variety is key 
And I, I find it's often the case that there will be students who have three favorite videos that they do. And I just try so hard to encourage them to do different styles and to move their bodies in different ways, because that is what is keeping you injury free. That you can get as many imbalances from doing yoga as you can from anything else. Anything right. that you repeat, there's nothing special about yoga that gives it um, immunity from this. <laughs> so you need to be as varied. I feel like I'm now lecturing you on what you should do. <laughs> More variety, please, Brock. <laughs> okay, definitely. I will embrace the discomfort and everybody else should embrace the discomfort too. And you can find Yes. More about Abby and all of her videos at yoga15, just 15, yoga15.com. And is there anywhere else you'd like to direct people? Um, quite a fun place I find is Strava. Ah. So I, I post the, the yoga videos that I do. And also, actually at the moment, it's just running. I don't live in a place where cycling is very interesting or mountain biking. So I'm just running and doing yoga. Um, there'll be times if I'm not writing new videos where I would just be following uh, one of the courses or something on my site and I'll be doing a different yoga video every day and you'll be able to see that on Strava. I think you could probably just search for my name and if you follow me, I'll follow you back so I can give you support. And then right. I do use Instagram um, a little. So yoga15, again, 15abi, A-B-I, is another place where I would share more. I'm not a huge poster because um, I just... Well, you're spending time actually creating things, not just <laughs> creating more uh, Instagram content, well, making meaningful content. Th this is very true. I do like to go as deep as I can with content rather than it could be, yeah, superficial. So, but I do a little bit of, of more of my sort of daily daily things that I do might might appear on Instagram a little more so than on any other platform. I don't think we have to feel sheepish about shunning social media these days. Mm -hmm. I think for mm -hmm. many years there, we had to be on social media in order to be taken seriously. And I'm, I feel a tide change coming. And I, I would love for everybody who, who follows Abby and me to just subscribe to the newsletter so we can just send you something in your inbox mm -hmm. and we can all escape the advertising and escape the algorithms and just... If you're truly interested in what Abby has to do, sign up for a newsletter and you'll be in the loop. Then you don't have to don't have to give the Zuckerbergs of the world all of your attention. You can actually just follow Abby because you like her. That's my little soapbox. <laughs> I think you're right from from that angle, but also it's you know that's where I'm putting my time and attention. So it's much more quality material there than yeah. you know just candy that you're getting on social media channels. It is candy. That's a good way to put it. Tastes good, but not good for you. Thank you so much, Abby. It's been awesome to catch up with you and to to really do a deep dive into into this in particular. I didn't mean to bring up HRV, but that was a really fun fun way to uh, to start this conversation off. So, thank you for sharing your wisdom, and I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes for people to find you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. This has been Brock Armstrong and my guest Abby Carver. Thanks for listening to Second Wind Fitness. 